Hear what the scripture is saying to the church from, Matthew, from the book of Matthew. Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. King James Version. You are blessed when you feel you've lost something that what is, you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you embrace by the one, can you be embraced by the one most dear to you, the message. Those who mourn are fortunate, for they shall be comforted, living Bible. How happy are those who know what sorrow means, for they will be given courage and comfort. Phillips. Those who have sorrow are happy because they will be comforted. NLV. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks be, God. be to God. Brilliant. Thank you so much. So well done. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Friends, um, let's, let's pray as we, as we hear these words. God of comfort, I'm so grateful that you are a God of comfort, that you say again and again that you comfort your people. We need comforting, God. So many need comforting. Would you tune our hearts and minds and souls and actions uh, to be in line with you and your purposes in the world to comfort in these days? In Christ's name, amen. Well, good morning again. If we haven't met, my name is Adam and I serve as one of our ministers and uh, it's good to be with everyone. You know, was, uh, I was kind of chuckling to myself when uh, I saw this was the passage for this Sunday. Uh, Will and Lauren and the fam are away for their anniversary, and, and I was happy and looking forward to preaching, and I read this passage and thought, okay, there's a lot going on here, um, because the truth is there's lots of grief in our world today. Um, there's lots of grief in us individually, uh, but so much is going on for so many people. And uh, it feels a little bit of a challenge to think about, like, how is this morning a blessing? Uh, it feels a little bit like hard good news. Uh, and I, I just want to reflect a little bit on some of the process that I've gone through. And it's uh, some of the things that I've come to that, that do feel like a blessing um, to me. And I want to share them with, with us. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to share a little bit about that. The two questions that I carried into this passage. Uh, we're like, why is it that mourning is a blessing? Like, why is that true? Because that doesn't make intuitive sense to me. Um, so I wanted to spend some time there. And then I also want to spend like, why, why is it here in this amazing list of beautiful things that are kind of central teachings of Jesus? Why does blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted make this list? Uh, so I want to reflect on that a little bit too. But first, why, why is this a blessing? Uh, I, think, I think it has to do with where, where mourning takes us. Um, and so I thought, like, I just started thinking, like, what, what are we doing when we mourn? I actually looked it up in the dictionary because um, I wanted to know, like, what is the difference between grief and mourning? And what I found was really interesting that, that grief uh, was described as our inner landscape, like what we experience internally when we feel loss 
or sadness or some kind of um, brokenness. And, and mourning is just the external expression of that internal landscape. And so mourning is, is really what we're doing when grief comes out of us or when the sadness and loss comes out of us. And that happens in all kinds of ways uh, across individual you know, lives and cultures. Um, but that was a helpful distinction for me to know that there's an internal place and then it's an external, like I'm going to deal with this in some, some physical, real ways. And I think that when we do that, at least when I have done that in my life, when I have had the grief come out of me, for me, it's often in tears uh, that I can't explain or even really stop. Uh, I think we come to this place of realizing how vulnerable we really are, how perhaps fragile we really are. I think mourning helps us to recognize maybe at times that we have deep, deep desire and love. And it helps us to recognize that because something is wrong with one of those deep desires and love, loves. Maybe they're unmet or they're lost or they're broken. But when we mourn, uh, we're not like sitting back observing what's happening in us. We're not thinking through what's happening in us. It is an embodied physical expression of what that is like. And so it's a raw, it's a raw place. Um, and if you're like me, uh, you know, many people, maybe most of us in the West um, don't really like that place and we try to avoid it. Sometimes at very high costs, we try to avoid it um, because we just don't like that feeling of vulnerability, of fragility. We don't like to feel like I'm not in control. We don't like when things are happening in our bodies that we just can't keep under wraps. At some level, we don't like to feel so human because that's what I think it really is. We come into close contact with our humanity in mourning and it it's scary you know vulnerability and fragility and recognizing what we deeply love and desire and that those things aren't necessarily in a good spot is hard and sad and and it's just true across the board for people and so when we mourn we're coming into close contact with our humanity we're experiencing something deeply human and i, I actually think that you know, many of us, we spend a lot of times trying to not be in that place. But when, when we begin to mourn, when that grief comes out, I think it helps us return to ourselves in some deep way. We actually, we, we have some piece of our humanity restored that we've kind of pushed away and, and cut off in some ways. So we're, we're restored back to that place. Um, and I really like this word, this phrase like close contact. Like we come into this close contact with what it means to be human, or at least a core part of that. And that is, that is our suffering. Um, it's part of what it means to be a human, and it's a deep part of what it means to be a human. And our mourning takes us, in some important ways, back to that truth of ourselves as humans. And then who do we find there? Or what do we find there? That place where we're close in contact with our humanity. This verse would suggests that we find God there. That when we are coming home to ourselves, we realize that God is there, already at home, and there to comfort, to embrace. The message version says, like, you are embraced by the one, uh, the one who matters most. And I, did, I love that image of re 
you know, if mourning helps us return to our humanity in some way, return to just the truth of being a person, and God is already there in that truth, embracing us and comforting, I think that's beautiful. And I, I want that. Um, this word comfort is interesting, you know, in a just really literal sense, it means to, to give strength or to encourage. And we see that in some of the different translations that came out. Um, some, some of us have been doing the scripture circles with Tara Owens for the last number of months. And this word comfort has come up. Um, Tara has done a bunch of rabbinic study and, and spends a lot of time kind of opening up, like what are the meanings of these words in Hebrew that help us understand what's actually happening? And this word comfort uh, come, has come up a few times. Uh, it's the word that's used when Adam is placed in the Garden of Eden. It's, he's comforted into the garden. And it's, the, it's one of the words that's used when Ezekiel is prophesying uh, in the prophecies. Uh, God comforts Ezekiel into this kind of space where he can see what's happening in front of him. And I, I wonder, I don't know that it's like some direct connection, but I wonder if there's some sense of that, that piece of what comforting means going on here. And the, the kind of the sense of it is that, that to be comforted somewhere is for God to place us in the place where we're meant to be, to restore us kind of to the us we are meant to be. So um, I think Luca was saying in the, in the blessing of the children that what does it mean to be comforted is to like have, have all the stuff that makes us feel us. And I just thought like, how brilliant. That's so true. I, I think that part of what God is doing when God meets us at this place of deep pain that is, that is returning us to our truth as a human, that we're vulnerable and fragile, that we have deep desires and loves, that God embraces us there not to say you shouldn't be here or you're wrong or something's, something's the matter with you, but to say welcome and let me help you actually return to the place you belong and strengthens us to be there. So I really do think that God is there when we enter this landscape of mourning, when we come into closer contact with our humanity. And I think God is there because God has experienced that. And God consecrates that place. But the biblical story is full of ways that God suffers, maybe primarily in the person of Jesus, that, that Jesus came, God on earth, and suffered the pain of humanity. God gets it. And that experience of loss and that coming out of us in mourning, I think that God meets us there, tells us that this is not out of bounds. This is not a place where God can't go. This is not a punishment for something you've done wrong. Actually, this is part of being a person. We suffer. We lose things. We have grief, and it comes out of us in mourning. And in that space, God is saying, welcome. I am here too because I have experienced this. I know this pain. And I can help restore you to yourself and strengthen you for this place. This is not a punishment. It's not out of bounds. And it's actually, if all of that is true, this is holy ground. Mourning, place of mourning and suffering is, is holy. Because God meets people there and restores us to our place where we belong. And brings us home to ourselves 
into this space of being a living, breathing, loving, suffering, full-hearted person. I was, I was reading a little bit about um, from Richard Rohr on the, the topic of mourning and just wanted to hear his, his insights. And one of the things that just really stood out to me as I was reading is that he, he said the Syrian fathers of the faith um, had a really strong theology located in the body and that they actually proposed that tears be a sacrament of the church. And the word sacrament means like this place of special, like this special means of God's grace and presence. And I think that fits so beautifully with this beatitude. That in our process of mourning, in the tears, that God is uniquely and specially present and providing grace. Uh, This is holy ground. Space of mourning is holy. And we are welcomed to it. I think God is, is always present when we're returning to ourselves. That might be through our joys and desires. It might be through our anger or our sadness. And of course, through our grief and mourning as it comes out of us. I think that mourners, those who mourn, are coming into close contact with their humanity and finding that the God of all comfort is making God's home in that deep place of humanity and offering this restorative comfort and strength and encouragement. And I I think that that is beautiful, and I I want that. And I actually think that we as people need that practice. We, We need to be in touch with what we have lost. We need to express it, and we need to know that we are being met by God in that place. So I just want to take a moment if you're like me, you know, like this, this life of loss is like flying by right now. You're like, Ooh, that hurts. Yep. That one too. Ouch. Like it's got to keep moving. I just want to take a moment and ask us to, um, to see if we can catalog a little bit of what we might be grieving right now. If you have some paper or a pen or on your phone, if you want to make a list or on your computer, we're all out of some device. Um, I, I want us to just take a moment to uh, to notice the loss upon loss upon loss upon loss that we have had. This is not about comparing your loss to anyone else's loss. I was listening to a talk about grief early on in COVID, and the, the kind of expert said, like, your grief is always the worst grief because it's yours. So I don't want us to feel like you have to compare to whatever is going on in the world. I want you to spend a moment naming your Loss, what grief do you carry around COVID, around injustice, around political division, around loss of relationship, loss of health, whatever it is, uh, just take a moment and, and write them down so that you capture them.
can keep making your list. I'm sure it is long. I just want to invite you to keep, keep track of this list. And when you're able to come back to it and engage it and explore what might it, what might it look like to express that grief and the loss that is represented there, I want you to remember that, that this is holy ground. Perhaps God is in the tears in a sacred way. So feel the invitation to engage with this list and add to it as life goes, because you will need to. Okay, so I started this whole thing off with why is this a beatitude? Why is mourning a blessing? How can we come to call it a blessing? Come to understand that to find God, the God of comfort at home in me, embracing me, helping me feel at home in myself and in my world as we take this difficult road of loss and pain. Uh, that has to be a blessing. What else could it be? It doesn't negate the hurt, uh, but I think it is also a, a gift. So then my other question was, why, why did this one make it in this list? There's lots of things that God might bless. I think there are a couple reasons. Uh, for the first, it is, there's something about mourning and grieving that is universal. If you think about who Jesus was talking to, it's kind of ambiguous. Like he's got his disciples there, like his close group. And he says, like, come over here. I want to teach you something. But then there's also this giant crowd. I kind of picture it like, hey, my close friends, come here. Let me talk to you while I like megaphone this. Um, you know, so, you know, everyone's involved. But uh, like most of Jesus's teachings, there's, there's a lot of types of people involved. Of course, there were, uh, you know, wealthy, privileged, powerful people hearing these words. And I think that this, these words are a gift to those, to that group. Folks for who, who might have spent most of their lives avoiding having to experience any kind of grief or loss, exercising their power to not be in that place. Maybe that's some of us. These words, I think, are a gift to us. This is good news because it tells us this place is not off limits. You can go there and, and actually be returned to yourself. You don't need to be threatened by the sadness. God is there. You're welcome to come. So I think on one level, it's universal. It goes to the powerful and it goes to uh, the not powerful and is good news to all of us. So on that one level, we have this, it's good news to maybe the, the powerful who can avoid suffering at some level. Um, but also, you know, the underside of society was present here. And often Jesus is speaking uh, directly to this group, these folks who are powerless, who are hungry, who are suffering, who we might say are chronically mourning. And I, I wonder if this, this beatitude is potently good news for these folks, for folks on whom mourning is thrust by a society content to harm them because they're not you know, part of the in-group. They have some lack of power. Perhaps it's their gender at that time or this time. Uh, perhaps it's their marital status or their ethnicity or their poverty. There are all kinds of ways that push people to the margins then and push people to the margins now. And I think that this beatitude is 
particularly good news for those people who are pushed out. When the disinherited here, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. I just think, I wonder if they hear, I wonder if the disinherited pieces of me here, I see you and I stand with you. I choose to be with you. I think Christ sees whole groups of people who are constantly aware of their vulnerability, of their tenderness. They have their humanity exploited and wounded over and over and over. And Jesus says, I actually locate myself there in your midst, not over here in some other place, but with you who suffer. I think Christ is making his home with those on the margins, those who have been left behind by society or pushed out of the racing train of society. I think that Christ is embracing those whose tears flow without stopping, whose cries rise from the depths of their being, whose anger rages at the injustice. I think Christ is is clearly there, present to the long-suffering, and communicating, your tears are holy. I am uniquely with you. So we've got this idea that mourning is a blessing because it brings us into close contact with and our tender reality of humanity. We're embraced by Christ there, welcomed into ourselves and comforted, given strength in a real way. And then I think that this this beatitude actually lands on this very short list because all need to hear it, but perhaps especially because there are there are communities present who are listening to Jesus then and communities present who are listening to the body of Jesus now who need to know where Jesus is located. We need to know is Jesus in the halls of power? rubbing shoulders with the elites and making friends to try to get things done? Or is Jesus making his home with the disinherited, with the people whose society just heaps mourning and injustice on generation after generation? And maybe if the story of God tells us anything, it is that God is located with those on the margins. God is located with those whose society stands on and tries to reach higher from. So blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Is good news to all people, but perhaps most potently to those who are mourning and have been mourning for generations. So if this is true, if all this is true, what do we do? I think that as the Christian family um, looks out in the world right now, the diverse Christian family, you know, in the West, uh, it is a pretty segregated place. Uh, many churches are monoracial. Many churches are content to be monoracial. Many um, churches are separating from those who are mourning, those who are oppressed and suffering. And I think that this beatitude, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted, is it actually in part an invitation for every person to allow our mourning to be a doorway of compassion into the mourning of humanity, the suffering of people, and particularly the suffering of 
oppressed communities. So I think we are, we're invited to that practice. We're invited through that doorway of compassion to understand that uh, suffering is a universally human thing. And there are specific communities throughout the years who are uh, oppressed and experience years and years and years of mourning and suffering. And we can, any of us, access that space and have compassion. And that ties into this next thing of what I think we might do. You know, Christians talk a lot about following Jesus. It's one of the ways we describe ourselves. Uh, someone I, I look to as a kind of a, a leader in my own faith practice uh, asked the question, where, where do you follow Jesus? Where exactly do you go? This gets back to our, maybe our question from earlier in the service of, if God is with us all the time, where are we? So I wonder if part of the, the invitation to do or to act here is that we follow Jesus to the landscape of those who are suffering. That we actually show up as the hands of Christ, participating in the work of Christ to folks who suffer all kinds of folks who suffer, perhaps like Jesus, uniquely and specifically show up to folks who have continued to have to experience grief and loss over and over and over, who live in a world uh, seemingly intent on making them lose and grieve. So I wonder if Christians locate ourselves and our resources and our time and our support and our encouragement alongside Christ at the holy ground of the margins in the home of the oppressed in order to participate in God comforting all who mourn. So friends, uh, can we show up to participate in that work? Can we do that in meaningful, tangible ways? And maybe can we continue to read the story? and see that Christ's work is not only to comfort and strengthen, but includes working to change the circumstances, to change the society, to change the system that causes such long suffering and grief, so that the margins might not exist anymore and all people are welcomed. Can we, can we do that as we access our own grief and experience our own mourning and encounter Christ at home in us? Can we find a way from that land back out into the land of the suffering in our world and participate in the work of Christ to comfort and care? Let's pray. God, this is a heavy time in our world. It's a heavy time in our country. It's a heavy time in our own town. Would you help us to take the journey of grief, to let it come out of us in mourning, and that that would be a road to our humanity, returning to ourselves in some deep and important way? Would you help us to see that those tears are sacred, that they are holy, that you are meeting us there, 
to help us be our full selves, return to our humanity to be comforted and strengthened. And then also sent out into the world to participate with you in comforting and caring for people who have become very familiar with mourning, who are chronically grieved, who suffer under the burden of injustice. Help us to participate in your work, Christ, to make this place, this world, a place that has no margins, where all are truly welcomed and upheld. In Christ's name, amen.